Brother Caleb Canute with us. He's spending out some time with us in our home, and I appreciate him. He's very involved in his home church. He works in youth ministry. He's connected in a lot of ways, and so uh, we want to acknowledge him. Amen. He's a good young man, so don't mistreat him. Some of you folks going up and saying, I'm watching you, and you better be careful, and all that's true, but he's a good guy, so... Brother Caleb, we uh, welcome you here, and we're happy that you are with us for a few days in Bakersfield, California, all the way from Birmingham, Alabama. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 22. We'll be reading from Matthew 16, and we'll be reading from Matthew chapter 26. Two passages of Scripture in the Gospel of Matthew and there's two things in these passages that I want to point out to you that is very, very interesting. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 22. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned, Jesus turned, and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Everyone say, Satan. Amen. Satan, what does that represent? That can represent a lot of things. It can represent a personification in the scripture that is always against anything that is the purpose of God. And it's attached in its significance to the accuser of the brethren. There's a lot of names in the Bible. Beelzebub, Satan, the devil. Um, there's many references to him. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Amen. If you turn to Matthew chapter 26, verse number 48, there is another passage of Scripture that brings out an interesting uh, occurrence and words that Jesus used to describe a person and what they are doing and how they are responding to him. And in verse number 48, now he that betrayed him gave them a sign saying, whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, hail master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, speaking of Judas, friend, everyone say friend, Wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And so from these two passages of scripture, I want to preach for a few moments here tonight. Satan or friend? Satan or friend? Let's ask the Lord to encourage us and help us tonight in the house of the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word. It brings strength and inspiration and encouragement to us. And so we acknowledge it. We ask that you would direct our attention to it. And we ask that you would bring inspiration to everybody that is gathered together in this place and let them be encouraged in the house of the Lord. We ask these things in your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. You can be seated here tonight. In close to two dozen places in the scriptures, the Lord is referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in, in close to two dozen places. And this, this phrase was used to emphasize 
the covenant of the Lord God that he made with Israel, making the Israelites the Lord's chosen people. And so the reference there, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was an identity for the children of Israel to know that God called them specifically and he chose them as a nation. He chose them. We can see this at the end of Genesis in Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 24. When Joseph is speaking to his brethren, he says unto his brethren, I die and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to. Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. Joseph was talking about the children of Israel. He was talking about that phrase that identified Israel. And that came from his father. For in Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 24, Joseph is referring to his father that wrestled with an angel. And his name was changed to Israel. This is found in Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed, your name is no longer Jacob, but it's going to be Israel. And that was going to be God's stamp of approval on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it was going to come through Jacob's descendants that Israel would be identified. Jacob, in this passage of Scripture, said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Amen. There is something to be said about that attitude that we should take on when we come to the house of God or we interact with God. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I'm going to pursue you. I may have to wrestle with some things in myself. There may be some circumstances in my life that I have to wrestle with, but I want the blessing of God to be upon my my life. Amen. I want the favor of God to be upon my life. And if that means pressing in, if that means wrestling with some things, I'm going to do it because there is nothing greater than the blessing of the Lord. Praise God. It's much better than the curse of the enemy, but the blessing of the Lord is something that should be valued. Hallelujah. If you're a blessed individual, praise God. You ought to clap your hands and say, thanks be to God for the blessings of God. Amen, amen. Praise God. We live in a world that's not giving out blessings. I want to stay here just for a minute because I feel the enemy trying to sneak in here and steal the blessing. We live in a world that will provide cursing to you and not blessing. I want you to know if you came into this place, I don't care how you arrived, what you look like, I want to tell you there is a blessing of God that can be upon your life. You may feel out of place and you may feel that the enemy has cursed you, but I want you to know that there is a church that's standing to their feet wanting to you to know that there is a blessing in the house of God. <laughs> 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. If we're not careful sometimes, we'll curse somebody before we even bless them. We'll tell them what they need to do before we even bless them. We'll tell them how they don't measure up before we even bless them. But how about we come together with unity tonight and we say, we may not even know who you are, but we hope before you leave that you'll feel the blessings of God's mercy and God's faithfulness. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Jacob said, I'm not letting you go until I receive a blessing. And his name was changed. You see, when God starts working on your life, things change. Praise God. We heard testimony Sunday of God changing some things. Amen. Doing some things. That's, that's the miraculous. If you're looking for signs, miracles, and wonders, you can find it when God starts changing individuals. Jacob, your name's not going to be Jacob anymore. It's going to be Israel because I'm going to call out from you a people called to myself. Amen. I want to be called of the Lord and his purposes. And so out of Jacob comes some sons. And out of those sons come the 12 tribes of Israel. Amen. 12 tribes of Israel. It would be interesting to ask us, uh, tonight with a trivia question, how many tribes we could name? Twelve tribes of Israel. Two of them came from Joseph that we read when he was talking to his brethren, brethren and talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So there were twelve tribes. They were Asher, Dan, Ephraim, Gad, Issachar, Manasseh, Naphtali, Reuben, Simeon, Zebulun, Judah, and Benjamin. These became the 12 tribes of Israel that God brought them out of Egyptian bondage and led them into a promised land. Yahweh was leading them. He was guiding them. He led them across the Red Sea. He carried them through the wilderness, and he led them with a pillar of fire. And he led them with a cloud. It was God directing them and God leading them. And so they made their way from bondage. God took them from bondage and strife and difficulty. And he led them into a promised land. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob promised them that I'm going to make you a called out people and I'm going to provide a place for you. And so the Old Testament, everything that we read in the Old Testament is a history of that from the experience, the history of that, from the prophets, the covenant mediators, all of that that we find in the Old Testament, it was God leading the 12 tribes of Israel. And we know that they split into two different kingdoms, and then they were carried off into captivity. So we read about all of that stuff, but the, the important thing to note is that God was leading them. God was directing them. At the end of the Old Testament, there is 400 silent years until John the Baptist starts preaching in the Jordan River and in that valley, and he was preaching that there is one that is coming that is mightier than I, the last 
ratchet of whose shoe I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. And the one that came, his name was Jesus. John said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. So Jesus became. God manifested in the flesh to continue, to continue, this is important, to continue the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Ladies and gentlemen, it did not stop with just the children of Israel. They were called to be a special chosen people to introduce God's purposes and design in a world, but it didn't stop with just the Jews. God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and your descendants are going to be as many as the sand of the seashore and the stars in the sky. God's intention was never just to fixate on one group of people, but his intention was to reach to the entire world. I'm not a Jewish person here today. I may have some Jewish. I don't know anymore what we've got in us. We don't know what we've got in us. Praise God. There's been a lot of generations that have passed, but I want to know, I want you to know this, and I'm excited about this. You don't have to be a Jew to experience God's favor and God's blessing. God never intended to just stop with the Jews, but he intended to reach out to everybody. It doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what your color is. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. It doesn't matter where you came from, whether it was from a pedigree or from nothing. God is looking for somebody like you. Praise God. Praise God. And so Jesus... He comes and he reconstitutes the 12 tribes of Israel by calling to himself 12 disciples. And he starts to do the same thing in the Old Testament, but there are greater things that are taking place in the New Testament. And so he calls 12 disciples. And we read about those disciples in Matthew chapter 10. It would be interesting uh, with a trivia question to find out how many disciples we could name. John or Matthew chapter 10 and verse number one, he, when he called his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the publican, James, another James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Jesus picks 12 disciples, and he starts doing the same thing that was done in the Old Testament, but it's on another level. He starts walking through the land. He starts crossing the Jordan River. He starts healing. He starts teaching. He starts touching on every symbol in the Old Testament, in that Old Covenant. He goes through the land and he touches it and it's symbolized by his movement through the land. He goes into the temple and he tells those in the temple, you tear down this temple and in three days I'll build it up. They said this temple's been, in, been building for 47 years. But Jesus wasn't talking about the physical temple. He was talking about the temple of his body. He's touching 
teaching every element of their identity. He's talking about the Sabbath. On the Sabbath day, he heals on the Sabbath day. And they get upset with him. But Jesus has authority and power over the Sabbath day. Jesus has authority and power over the temple. Jesus has authority and power over the land. Jesus has power and authority over their identity. Jesus has power over every boundary. And he's touching every single one of those things in the Old Testament. And he's saying to them, there is something greater than Moses that is in front of you. There is something that is greater than Elijah that is standing in front of you. Praise God. Jesus touch, touches on every single one of those elements because God is manifested in Jesus. And Jesus is the one that creates everything. Therefore, Jesus has the authority over everything. <laughs> Praise God. I don't know what struggles you've got in the house of God tonight, but I want to preach to you that Jesus is greater than your problems. Jesus is greater than all of your obstacles. Woo! Praise God. Somebody clap your hands and thank the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus is greater. And so he goes around. He's touching all of these things. You know what he's doing? He's fulfilling the promise of Abraham. And he's saying greater things are coming. And so he's talking about a revival on a global scale. He's talking about a new kingdom breaking into the world. But it's not going to come without a fight. Ooh, let me just say something right there. You're not going to get the blessing of God without a battle. Because the enemy of your soul doesn't want you anywhere near the blessings of God. You know why? Because he's a liar. That's why. Whatever he presents to you is a lie. He tries to build it up like it's great, but on the end of that pathway, there's destruction and dysfunction. The accuser of the brethren is all about killing and assassinating and destroying. But there is a God that we feel in this place that's about building up, strengthening, inspiring, healing, and saving. It's not going to come without a fight. There's going to be a fight. That's why sometimes you got to press your way into worship. Amen. It just doesn't happen. You got to move your way into it. Amen. You got to lift up your voice. Do I have a witness in the house of God tonight? You have to lift up your hands and sometimes it's difficult to get your hands up. Amen. And sometimes the enemy would try to weigh you down, but you got to press through and say, I may be tired, but I'm still going to worship you, God. This is why in Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 12, Jesus himself said, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent taketh it by force. We're in a spiritual battle and a spiritual struggle. There's some things you have to take by force. You've got you to make the effort. You've got to take the initiative. 
Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right there. We need to move on, but I feel something right there. If you want to move of God, you got to take it by force. You say, I really don't feel like it. I'm not in a place where I can do that. Yes, you can, because it's not about you. It's about him. Praise God. So before you make a list of all the things where you're lacking, you need to put that aside for a moment and say, God, you're greater than everything. You're greater than this list that I've got back here and the reasons why I can't and I'm not where I need to be and all that stuff. Stop it. You need to worship God and praise God because God is bigger than all of that stuff. That's taking authority. That's taking it by force. That's stepping out. You know what happens when you glorify God? God comes down and dwells right in the big middle of your situation and builds you up to get you back where you need to be. But you can't do it if you don't step out and say, I'm going to press my way in. It's a struggle. It's going to be a battle. There's going to be a fight. There's going to be some opposition. There's going to be some things that come against us. Now, that's all by way of introduction, and I need to meet, move to the real meat of the message here tonight. Is that okay? Praise God. And that is that in these two passages of Scripture, Jesus calls each one of these individuals a name, and the context of him doing that is amazing. For example, Jesus is talking with his disciples about future things to come. And he has led them out into this place called Caesarea Philippi. It's a very uh, red light district kind of place. And he asked them, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they gave him some answers. And, 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 and some said, well, you're Elijah. And some said, you're a prophet. Some said, you're John the Baptist and Jeremiah. And Jesus said, yeah, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter, this is Peter, one of the disciples. He gave the right answer. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, listen to these words, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus gives Peter the keys, and he says even hell is not going to be able to silence the future church that is coming. And Peter, you're going to have an integral part in that. Here are the keys. Whatsoever you bind on heaven and whatsoever you loose will be in heaven and in earth as long as it's connected to the word of God, Peter has great opportunity and he's given the right answer. Then Jesus starts to tell them, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to suffer many things and I'm going to be killed and I'm going to be raised again the third day because that's Jesus' purpose. That's where he's heading. That's what he came for. And Peter takes him aside and starts to rebuke him saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be done unto thee. But Jesus turned to Peter, the one that he just gave the keys to. And he looked at Peter and he said, get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense unto me for you savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. He gave Peter the keys and then he called him Satan. You would think that a disciple that is in the inner circle of Jesus' ministry would never be called Satan. 
heaven. But here in this passage of scripture, one of the individuals, the closest to Jesus, Jesus looked at him and said, Satan, get thee behind me. How in the world can this be? It can be because it doesn't matter how close you are to Jesus. If you're an obstacle, Jesus is going to go right through the obstacles. It doesn't even matter that you've just been given the keys of the kingdom. If you're standing in the way of Jesus and the purpose of the kingdom, he's going to keep moving right on. He's going to move right by you. Praise God. Peter, you're Satan because you don't understand what I'm fixing to do. You don't understand where I am going. I'm going to Calvary. I'm going to shed my blood for every individual in the entire world. And there is nothing that is going to stop me. It's not going to be one of the disciples. It's not going to be an inner group. It's going to be because of my purposes. So even though you've got the keys, I'm moving right on because there's greater things. Ladies and gentlemen, there's an application to that. You may be in the church, but if you're in the way, Jesus is going to still do what Jesus does. If you say, well, I think it should be different, Jesus is going to keep doing the work of the kingdom. People are still going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. People are still going to be baptized in Jesus' name. These altars are still going to be full because that's the work of the kingdom. Well, I've been in this church since 1992. It doesn't matter how long you've been in this church. If you are standing in the way of revival, the kingdom is going to keep moving forward. Your idea and your your thoughts, Peter, are not going to stop God manifested in the flesh that has a purpose and a reason for why he came. It doesn't matter what I think, how I get all turned inside out. God's got greater purpose. I wish everything could be perfect and just right and fit nice little boxes and neat, but you might as well get over that because it's never going to happen. Amen. The problems that happened in 1972 are going to be the same problems in 2022. They're just going to circle around and there's always going to be problems, but Jesus is greater than the problems. The anointing of God is greater than all the areas that we might not measure up because the kingdom is greater. He looked at Peter and he said, Satan, get thee behind me because you don't savor the things of God. After Peter just made such a declaration. He was an obstacle and Jesus said, I'm not going to be stopped. (laughs) Who are you, Peter, to tell me? Now, there's some theology that's mixed into that, all right? And I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but it's pretty good because I personally don't believe that that Peter was making a grand theological statement. 
I believe Peter was making a grand declaration of messianic importance because he said, thou art the Christ, you're the Messiah. Everybody was looking for the Messiah, especially to throw off Roman rule. And so they were looking for a Messiah with a, with a rod of iron and a rule and riding in with a horse and overthrowing. Jesus didn't come that way. He came very humbly. And so the expectation was that can't be the Messiah because the Messiah is not coming that way. But Peter said, you are the Messiah. And the reason I say that is because if that was a grand theological statement of Peter understanding that that was actually God manifest in the flesh, Peter had some guts. To look at God and say, God, this can't happen. You don't know what you're doing. You better be careful telling God what he should or shouldn't do. Some folks, they want to tell God about their situation. They want to tell him what he should do for them. That's, ladies and gentlemen, that's not the way it works. You pray to God and you say, God, I want your will to be done. And whatever you want me to do, I want to be in your will. So whatever it is, direct me to your will and, and open doors for me and close doors rather than me telling you what to do because I'm not the creator. I'm not the one that breathed life and created everything. I'm just a puny human individual that thinks he's got control of stuff when really he doesn't control much of anything you need to give all that up to God and say God you're bigger than all my problems you're bigger than any mountain any obstacle so whatever comes my way I'm trusting in you praise God Jesus won't be stopped now here's the second part of the lesson because Jesus is facing the culmination of his passion and he goes to a place called Gethsemane and he prays and he asks the disciples to pray with him and to tarry with him. And he kneels down and he prays a famous prayer. Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And then he comes to his disciples and what does he find? They're sleeping. And he said, can't you watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then as he is praying, he sees that there is a group coming, a multitude with swords and staves, and chief priests and elders of the people. And he sees the one that will betray him which is Judas, one of his disciples. <laughs> because Judas has said, for 30 pieces of silver, I'll point him out to you so that you can arrest him. And he sold him out and betrayed him. And he sees him in the garden and he comes to Jesus and he kisses him. And Jesus says to him, friend, wherefore art thou come? He calls someone from the inner circle, Peter, that he just gave the keys to the kingdom, Satan. And he calls the guy that has betrayed him for 30 measly pieces of silver, friend. How can this be? Judas is called a friend, even though he's the one who betrays Jesus 
and becomes the enemy of truth. How can this be? It can be because whether it's Peter standing in the way or whether it's Judas standing in the way, the purposes of God are going to continue to go forth. Whether it is Satan or whether it is friend, he is always going to testify of the truth. Whether friend or foe, Satan or friend, the kingdom of God is more important than the individual individuals that are involved in what Jesus is doing because the kingdom of God is greater than individuals. And the power of the kingdom is greater than individuals. Some people may misunderstand. Some may betray you. You may have some major disappointments and hurts along the way. But the truth of God is going to continue to move forward. That's what I'm preaching here tonight. There's going to be people that betray you. There's going to be friends that you thought that were your friends, but it was nothing but flattery. And they really didn't even know what they were talking about. And that's going to be a, a hurt to you and a disappointment. There's going to be failures that come in your life and obstacles that come in your life but the important thing to know is truth is always going to prevail you can't check out when you get disappointed you got to trust in the truth you can't check out when you feel like somebody's betrayed you you got to keep following the truth because the truth supersedes all the other stuff in life I'm preaching to somebody in the house of God today hallelujah people walk out on God because of what others said and what others have done. That's not a reason to walk out because truth prevails. You gotta keep trusting in God. God, I know you're the way, you are the truth, you are the life, and so I'm walking according to the truth. <laughs> Praise God as the instruments come, or the uh, musicians come on the instruments. It'd be kind of hard for instruments to start moving around. We'd be having revival if the instruments started shuffling around here. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. The truth is what is important. Amen. This is the point of the message here tonight. I don't care who walked out on you, who said what, who did what. The truth is more important. I've talked to people and counseled the people that said, I just don't think I can overcome that. And they're not in the house of God because of things that have happened. Amen. I know it's difficulty. I know it's a struggle. I know there's obstacles in the way. But I'm always going to say the same thing to everybody I come into contact with when it comes to those kind of things. The truth is greater than anything else. It hurts, it's painful, and you may feel like you'll never get over it, but you can get over it if the truth is important in your life. Praise God if Jesus is directing you. Praise God. You're walking out because of what somebody else did. You're leaving God because of somebody else. You're not leaving God because of God. You're leaving God because of somebody else. He's never failed me. He's always been good to me. I'm going to follow the truth. The truth is what sets free 
Jesus accomplished it. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be raised from the dead. I'm going to silence death and the grave. I'm going to provide an answer for sin. I'm going to give life and eternal life. I came into the world for this. And Peter, you're not going to stand in the way. And Judas, you're going to open the door for the way to happen. Praise God, because I've come to this moment for such a time. The church has got to pick up the same burden and say, you know what? We've had people walk away, mistreat us, and leave a lot of nasty comments on social media. But we're not backing up, giving in, and walking away, throwing in the towel because we're following the truth. Revival is still going to take place. People... are going to be redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Amen. No matter who's gone on. Whether it's Peter or whether it's Judith, it's, it's the truth that sets free. This vision was caught by the disciples and they stepped out into the streets and they laid down their life to carry the truth. Paul becomes part of that. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Listen to this. He said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. There's going to be a lot of situations that feels like death, but there's something residing in you that is life, and that is the truth. And Paul said, no matter where we may be, it's the truth that's going to set us free. No matter what happened in his life, he described some of the things that happened in his life in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 23. He was beaten with rods. He was stoned. He suffered shipwreck. He was in perils of waters, robbers, his own countrymen, perils by heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness and watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings, cold and nakedness, and he said, beside all of those things on the outside, he said, the pressure that came upon me daily in taking care of the churches. But he recognized no matter if it's somebody that is close to him that forsakes him like Demas, Peter, you're not going to stop what God is doing. Or if it's somebody actively working against him like Judas, you're not going to stop a move of because the kingdom of God and the truth of God is greater. That caused him to say something very significant in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9 as we stand together in the house of God at the conclusion of this service tonight. Paul said, I prayed about all these things. <laughs> And my answer from God was, my grace is sufficient for thee and my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so he said, most gladly will I rather glory in my infirmities 
that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I become strong. Amen. My message tonight is the kingdom of God supersedes my disappointments. It supersedes all of the struggles that I may face in life. Even in situations where Peter is Satan and Judas is friend, it makes no sense unless you see through the lens of what God is doing. Amen. And you know what? I just, I'm brave enough to step out on faith and say, I believe God's doing some great things. As a matter of fact, I'm willing to say to you tonight, God is doing some great things. There are people in this house of God here tonight that God has brought you amazing. The journey that you are on, if God continues to work in your life and, and you come out on the other side, it is going to be a testimony that blows away all testimonies. It is going to be, uh, it's going to be the miraculous. get stuck on the little things recognize there is a kingdom of God that is greater I need to get out and teach a Bible study I need to be a prayer warrior I need to get up front and pre-service prayer I need to lead worship I need to continue to be faithful I need to continue to pray God. Truth speaks through the storm. Truth heals. Truth delivers. Truth saves. Truth, truth, truth. We say around here, we follow, we proclaim, and we celebrate. Pilate had Jesus right in front of him. And he asked Jesus, what is truth when he had truth standing right in front? And he missed the opportunity. Woe be to us if we miss the opportunity to present truth in whatever shape or form to our city, to our world, to people that come within our orbit. Amen. And tonight, amen, we need to lift our hands and we need to pray that God gives us a focus on the purposes of God and the kingdom of God and the work of God. We need to press our way into it. Amen. It doesn't matter what insignificant things have happened in life. There is nothing greater than your salvation. Praise God. There is nothing greater than your soul. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, could you lift up your hands? Hallelujah. Could you lift up your hands and lift up your voice today? Yes, Lord. But in all thy ways Oh! 